Welcome to Daily Discussions. I'm your host, Isaac Harrison. This is a podcast on social entrepreneurship. Um, before we get started, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional landowners on whose land we record, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Now, this week we have Liam Ridgway, finally a decent name that I can pronounce without stuffing it up. Um, me and Liam go back all the way two years ago, I think it is, Liam, and you can yeah, tell that story, right. yeah. the story of the beards, how we connected. Um, and Liam runs a non-for-profit. Is it non-for-profit, Liam? Uh, a charity. A charity um, called yep. Indigitech? Yep. Yep, which is focused around bringing our young Indigenous peoples through the STEM um, education, through courses, through onto careers within STEM, which is science, technology, um, probably going to right, engineering and maths. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes, I'm on fire. Um, so we're going to go into your story, Liam, and learn a bit more about what you're doing and uh, just how you got there. But uh, yeah, let's first let's start off with, um, you know, where were you born and where were you raised? Um, yeah, so I was, I was born in um, Foster. Uh, so my, my parents um, moved around quite a fair bit um, when I was younger. So my old man used to work for National Parks as a ranger. Yeah, wow. Um, and at the time, we were up there on Berapai country. And yep. uh, and that's yeah, and that's where I was born. So, but my mob is actually um, on my dad's side, um, Gumbangia. Um, so Nambaka heads mob, and then um, my uh, we also have a lineage and connection again on my dad's side to yep. uh, the Dungari people, which is where the, the actual Ridgeway um, surname um, flows through to. Yeah. Um, and the UN Nation as well. So I'm also uh, a mumbler as well on my great grandfather's side. So. Yeah. Quite a few connections there, and my, and my, you know, my dad's always been conscious of um, tracking um, the family tree, and, and you know, and my great grandmother was as well. And now I'm seeing a few of my cousins um, pick that up as well, which has been great. Yeah. Uh, and my mum is um, Waka Waka, so yeah, uh, my neighbour. Yes, neighbour on the Sunshine absolutely. Coast. And interestingly, as well, and I don't know if I actually mentioned this to you too, but um, my my grandmother is. Um, uh, South Sea Islander as well. So, oh wow! No, we haven't talked about that. So you got the Kanaka. Yeah, is that for so, the Kanaka um, line? Sorry, is that for the Kanaka line, the blackbirding? Yes, that's right. Yes, that is right. Yeah, yeah. And it's um, we're not as we weren't we didn't grow up as close to um, uh, that line um, just yep. because. Uh, so my my grandfather, uh, who's the Waka Waka man, he went to World War Two. Yeah. Um, uh, and he was living at Sherberg at the time, but then once he came back from World War Two, yeah, uh, he moved to Tweedheads where he met my grandmother, yeah, and um, was there for many many years. Um, in fact, I think there was quite a bit of a disconnection from him going back to Sherberg just because of some of the, the mental effects of um, going to war and you yeah. know, PTSD related. Yeah, um, I love the touch on that too. Um, yeah. With World War Two. You know, conversations we have today, and we've spoken about it, about treaty and um, our rights as Indigenous people, um, mm. but yet the old people um, were marching off to war without any recognition, but found a, a compassion in their, you know, in their hearts after all the wrong that was done to them by the Australian nation mm. um, to go to war and defend this country. You know, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think um, it's kind of an interesting um, thing because it, it, I guess going to war whilst war isn't necessarily uh, a good thing. It kind of it, it brought about some kind of like I guess brothership and mateship 
yeah. um, amongst all you know all Australians, no matter what kind of colour or background yeah. you were, because it was kind of like this, I guess, common common cause that everyone was um, you know kind of banding together yeah. towards, and then so you know it it really opened up you know I guess the uh, you know, I say hearts and minds, but more so minds of people to be able to just um, connect with others. Because at the end of the day, uh, when you're on the, I guess, the battlefield, it doesn't matter what um, colour you are, just as yeah. long as you're, you know, supporting each other and you're there to, you know, to have each other's backs. I think that, um, you know, created that mateship. But then I guess the thing that is the, the struggle, um, you know, and you hear many black fellas talk yeah. about these stories, is that you know, once they came back, you know, that that mateship disappeared. And yeah, that's you're right. Kind of like, well, why was why were we mates over there? But now you know now we're not mates, and you know, yeah. uh, you know, like my grandfather, uh, you know, occasionally brought up stories, not not too often because yeah. I think it it really hurt him. But just around when he came back from war, um, you know, he wasn't allowed to go into the RSL clubs or any clubs around um, Tweedheads and Gatter. Yeah, yeah. and you know, that. and I think that really affected him. And you know, and he passed that that uh, that trauma. Oh. Well, he carried that trauma, and then he passed it on through to, you know, his kids and, uh, yep. you know, and I got to actually witness um, some of the effects of that as well. Yeah, that's right. Those um, traumas do get passed down or those learnings, you know, positive or negative. Um, yep. And it's, yeah, it's just an unfortunate case. And, you know, I think now a lot of people are sort of seeing um, that just people weren't just wrong, done, you know, done wrong by just on that, the World War Two front coming back. But many other, you know, the stolen wages, we go into stolen generation, and the list goes on. And um, yep. I suppose that's what brings us to what we're doing today and our motivation because we've seen our parents struggle, our grandparents struggle um, yep. after they work so hard but to just have no recognition. Um, I think that's the most discouraging thing for Indigenous people because, you know, I got to speak at your event the other week, uh, last week, which I thank you for that opportunity. Um, and I was just thinking about, um, and I've lost my train of thought, I was thinking about, yeah, all the wrong you know things that have happened to us and people say oh why you know black fellas are lazy they don't show up they don't work and i was like well generations they've worked and haven't been you know compensated so exactly. would you continue working no of course you wouldn't you'd just be like you know what i'll have much more enjoyment sitting down and drinking uh, a bottle of whiskey down at the beach and just fishing off the land when i need to and that's yep. sort of the understanding the reasoning we've got to bring a lot of our um, countrymen into yep. so they can understand and the whole picture and it's quite interesting as well when people kind of bring up the conversation of, um, you know, why are Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, you know, like this or like that, you know, yeah. like why are they lazy or why are they, um, you know, why are there so many social issues and blah, 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 but, uh, and they only look at it from face value, that, yeah. that they don't necessarily go, okay, well, actually, is there a reason behind behind this? And then so at the end of the day, so many people don't question um, why I think why the status quo is the way that it is with our yep. with our community that they kind of just go like oh you're all you're all bad people you know and and it's you know and we kind of get yep. pinned with this brush as opposed to being understood yep. um, and I think that that becomes a big challenge because then all of a sudden you kind of have this cycle of okay well we're going to point the finger at you guys and say that you guys aren't necessarily um you know that great of a community yeah. and then we defend ourselves and then it just becomes this cycle of you know backwards and forwards and yeah, you know right. debating and disagreeing and and you know and you see a lot of this come out uh, you know in the media as well this pure lack of understanding when i when yeah. i talk about media mainstream media that is sunrise no. very <laughs> lack of understanding of of our community yeah. and, our, and our people and why things are the way that they are today 
Yeah, yeah, and you just go and get it, you know. I just said sunrise as a joke, but seriously, that they got people on there that come from one aspect of Australian community yep. and they're trying to explain things from a culture that they've never been, you know, one lived in, two ever experienced or probably even got any friends or relatives from there. Yep. Um, and so that's, you know, when I married my my wife and her um, father inside of Indian, like they just didn't even know anything about indigenous culture and they've been here for decades as yeah. migrants and they were like didn't know how to take me they didn't know what food i ate you know they didn't know what i you know what i thought or how i was going to raise our children to yeah. them was a completely foreign thing and and but then you can sit down and you know work those things out over time so and now i'm the favorite grandson i'd like to say um awesome so that's a lot of your story and now you live in sydney Yes, yes. So I um, so I, I grew up in um in Sydney, living on Gadigal country. So my mum and dad um moved here when I was about three years old, and yeah, uh, and you know, and I grew up in the inner city of um Sydney. So I'm only like five to ten minutes outside of the city. Yeah, wow. In a suburb called Glebe. So yeah. and it's a, a suburb that has lots of um Aboriginal people um in it. Um, yeah. especially when I was growing up, and still today. That's um, awesome. As well. And uh, so it was a very tight knit community, and um, and my older brother and I. So I'm 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 the, basically the middle child, but I didn't really grow up as the, as yeah. the middle child. Um, uh, so my brother and I are two years apart, but then my younger sister, um, to my dad's second marriage, she's yeah. um, uh, eighteen years um, younger than me. But um, yeah, wow. So she grew up in kind of a, a very different world to, to to my brother and I, and yeah. I was kind of like. Yeah. Um, a big brother, or if not like a second father to, to my little sister um, yeah. uh, when she was growing up. But um, uh, yeah, so growing up in Glebe was was a, a, a great experience because then you know very close to, to Redfern and Waterloo, where then you have an even bigger uh, yeah. you know Aboriginal community, and uh, so a lot of if it wasn't related to to, to someone. Uh, then usually I was good friends with them uh, in terms yeah. of like fellows in the community who were kind of yeah. similar age to me. So so it was it was very I, I enjoyed growing up. Um, around here, but it obviously wasn't without its challenges as well. Being, uh, you know, I guess a an inner city, inner city um, you know, black fella, and just with um, some of the social issues that were going on, and you know, yeah, the, um, and I'm not sure if you kind of experienced this type of thing, but you know, just walking down the street and then all of a sudden getting pulled up by the police just because you look suspicious, but you haven't done anything yeah. suspicious, uh, and you know, and that was. That was, you know, a huge part of my life growing up. And in fact, I tell that story a lot yeah. when I speak at conferences, and people just are in absolute shock that this is even a thing. And I'm like, no, this is, this is yeah. a thing, and this is extremely normal. So it was just part of my day to day. Once I kind of hit my um, early teens, it was you walk down the street, and you know, there's a high likelihood that you're just going to get pulled up by the police just for walking down the street. Yeah, I so I grew up in a, you know, a, a town, a town in Harvey Bay and we in Maribyrnong it was very similar as well and there were a few indigenous families um, which the police obviously knew um, and so if you were a black fella walking down the street there was a very high chance you would be pulled over and just ask where you're going you know what are you up to mm. just like I'm going on the beach like I grew up in a good <laughs> Christian home but see my, my cousins my nan had 11 kids and my cousins didn't have the same experience so their life took a different a- approach um, and they were up to trouble um, but again, it came down to that painting the same brush, um, which you only see with you know African American culture, Native Indian culture, Indigenous cultures, where the police have you know sort of had a bad experience or two. 
with yeah. um, First Nations people and then they go, well, they're all, you know, they're all from the same community. And so, but you won't see that with, you know, white followers. They don't stop, you know, white Australians all That's the time right. to say, hey, where are you going? What are you up to? You know? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, me and my mates used to joke about that because um, if I was with them because I had a big afro, they'd be like, oh, we're definitely going to get pulled over. <laughs> and we often did. So, um, but yeah, I couldn't imagine being in, in a city. Actually, when I, I was in Sydney mm, uh, early this year, and uh, I got a, an Uber driver. I won't say what nationality was. And um, I said, oh, we're going to this address um, in Redfern. He said, oh, Redfern, why are you going there? I was just like, oh, we've got this event that we go. He's like, oh, that's where the Aborigines are. Yeah. And it was just like, mm-hmm. I was just like taken back. I'm like, here we go, inner city, Sydney. You're thinking a progressive, you know, yep. sort of city. And you sort of have that come out of the wor- in the mouth of the uh, the Uber yep. driver. So, um. Yeah, it's it's just interesting to see those stigmas and mindsets are still around, and uh, you know it's up to us to change those and put those new mm. positive role models in. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's talk about in Digitech. So yeah. how did you come about in Digitech? Um, you know, what's the whole reasoning behind it? Um, yeah, so um, so in, in Digitech was kind of an interesting journey, and I guess it kind of leans back on. Uh, I guess a few kind of things, a few factors that kind of popped up in my my life and my journey. So when I um, when I finished high school, I went to university and did a, a business degree yeah. um, at the University of Technology Sydney. And then uh, and then a lot of I didn't actually study as much with the business students. I used to study more um, a group of guys who were my friends who were in computer science or you know software engineering. And yeah. uh, so we used to study together more and I just used to listen to them talking about tech and yeah. uh, and then eventually once I finished my degree I went in, into the tech industry and, and worked at Microsoft for a few years but then about nine months after I started at Microsoft um, yeah. conversation kind of popped up oh what nationality are you and I'm like oh, I'm Aboriginal and they're like oh wow how come you know you didn't tell us and um, you know I was kind of just like well, <laughs> well you know you now know so you know yeah. I didn't tell you earlier but you now know because the conversations popped up so it's not yeah. like I'm going to walk in the door and go hey everyone I'm, I'm, I'm Aboriginal yeah. so uh, yeah. you know I just yeah. um, you know I let the conversation kind of progress naturally to, to that particular point yeah um, and then after that they kind of discovered oh that I was the first um uh, recognized indigenous person to ever work for Microsoft, which is yep. an awesome wow. thing for me, but just a, an absolutely terrible thing in terms of like, uh, you know, this globally successful, like well known brand name yep. that's like worth lots of money. Yep. And I'm the very first indigenous person to work or Aboriginal Australian person to work for the organization. It's, it's kind of, well. it was, it was just, it wasn't yeah, good enough. And then, yep. um, when I was there, there, uh, through my journey, I was there for um, uh, just under five years. Um, there yep. was about some, oh, there were two other Indigenous people. Yeah. Uh, so one um, Aboriginal um, young girl, she, she worked in marketing. Yeah. Uh, and uh, an Aboriginal man who um, worked as a, in, in the, the building mailroom. Yeah. And uh, but they both didn't stay very long at all. Um, I think they um, they just weren't comfortable in the space and they, yep. were, uh, they had some of their own personal challenges as well. Um, yep. So they, they didn't stick around. But one of the things I always yearned for was to be able to, you know, have, have more blackfellas um, in the space and, you know, and uh, be able to have conversations with them, but also for them to have conversations with their work colleagues about yeah, who yeah. they are and what their background is, as opposed to that kind of most of the time having to go through me. So yep. it's kind of like that whole idea of sharing our culture, but, you know, being able to share the load across multiple people to, yeah, yeah. to talk about more of these stories and so that people can 
say, you know, in this country, because this is one of the common things, is um, uh, I've, I've, I've never talked to an Aboriginal person before. I've never met an Aboriginal person before. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it's kind of like, why do people, why, you know, why are people so, um, I guess, sheltered and, and, you know, kind of wrapped in a bubble and yeah. not willing to just go out and engage with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people because, you know, we're, we're regular people just like them, but for some reason there's kind of this um, perception that, you know, you don't necessarily go and talk to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people because, you know, you might have issues or whatever, but, I mean... Mm. I, I've got many non-Indigenous uh, friends, and, and you know, and I, I I engage with people, you know, all over the all over the country and all over the world very well. And I don't care what they look like or what they sound like. Yeah, uh, I just want to be able to connect and network with people. So yeah, so I went through that Microsoft journey, being the only black fella um, there, plus the other two that came through for a short period of time. Yeah, then uh, and then after that, I worked at Trend Micro for um, a year. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then I went and set up my own tech business. And part of my dream was always to encourage more black fellows to to move into tech through these experiences that I had. Yeah, and, that's good. And then I set up, um, co-founded NGNY, so Nakanyagu, which is um, a digital agency um, yeah. that's based here in Sydney. Yeah. And um, myself and my business partner John were looking for uh, black fellows to 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 come into this space and to employ as developers. Yeah, and it was just so difficult to find um, black fellows in this space, either because the talent pool uh, isn't that big, but then um, also because the talent pool that is there, the corporates are just all over yeah, it. That's and, you know, we're competing and, and with like, multinational companies, us little yeah, SMEs. and we we can't we can't provide those packages that that they provide at this yeah, stage anyway, right. being you know a small business, and so yeah. um, so we're like, okay, how do we actually create? how do we create these opportunities? Um, so instead of just waiting for something to uh, land in our laps or, yeah. you know, sitting at the, the gates of the universities, let's, let's try and create something for all the schools. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and we, so we, we ended up um, hiring a young indigenous man. So or um, discovering a young, young indigenous man. So in terms of um, yeah. someone who we thought we could, uh, bring into the business who had an interest in tech and a little bit of skills. Yeah. And he worked at Metropolitan Local Aboriginal Line Council, plus he was also a horticulturalist as well. Yeah, wow. Um, and then and then we, uh, and then I was I was talking to him quite a fair bit. Um, yeah. He lacked a bit of confidence. He didn't want to go to university, but uh, yeah. I had a relationship with um, Coder Academy, um, yeah. and that was through my Indeed Tech co-founder, Trent, who yeah. um, was working at Coder Academy as well. Yeah. And... Um, we got scholarship a scholarship for Joel, and yeah, wow. uh, he went through that process and yeah. became an employee of NGNY and was delivering projects, you know, app development and web development for, for our so clients. Good. So it was kind of this really great journey. And then he introduced us to one of his Indigenous friends, um, yep. Keenan, yep. and we, he went through the same process as well. So um, and then we attempted to get a few others um, through that process too, not necessarily just to work at NGNY, yeah. but just to provide these scholarship opportunities. Yeah. Um, and uh, and we opened the door to a, to a few of them, but um, unfortunately they didn't um, complete the courses, but we yeah. said the door is always open if you decide that you want to come back. Yeah. We're super supportive of that. And so, so, and so, what, kind so of what would you say that success rate is with you know, offering that holistic package where you're supporting the education and employment and, you know, mental health and cultural you know, sensitivity, you think that's really bumped up that success rate of seeing someone go all the way? 
Yeah, I think it's I think it's bumping up. I think it's improving and it's becoming. I mean, the whole the goal is basically to normalise, um, you know, the the, the ideas and the, the learning pathways around yeah. technology and STEM, um, and how it can become an integral part of our our community. Um, yeah. You know, and when I talk about being integral and looking at how technology can help our community organisations become. Um, more productive using technology as like an enabler to make things more yep. efficient and better. But yep. then also there's certain ways that we can use technology as well to support our culture too. Yeah. I don't think uh, technology is the be-all and end-all um, because we have to be able to look at our culture and then how technology fits yep. into our culture and our, our, our community governance and, and protocols mm. so yep. that we're not bringing in technology that ends up kind of inhibiting um, these things and the yeah, creating social right. issues you know, if we've within, got, within the community. You know, land and, you know, we had to walk the line where we'd walk with the archaeologists to discover Indigenous artefacts. There's a part of that that just can't be done by a drone, for an example. Like, you need to put your feet on the ground, you need to walk along the creeks and rivers and by the sea, exactly. you know, you need to be, you know, enrooted into country, into creation. Yeah. Um, there's a touch, there's a sense, and I, I just think augmented reality and using a drone to map out land parcels won't ever replace that. I think there'll be elements, exactly. um, but there are great opportunities for Indigenous people to use technology to save a lot of labour and workload where um, us as Indigenous people are, you know, like you said, the, the skill pool is very small and if there are people coming through, they're getting snapped up by big companies and we just can't compete and the same goes for land councils you know there's a lot of people i know working at land councils or community organizations who are just solid operators mm. and um they just won't last because the government's going well you know we want to start pushing this and, you know close the gap we've you know put ken wyatt and we want to start pushing this stuff we're going to go find talented people um you know for me it's like i've got you know my business which i put a lot of hard work and a lot of belief into and, and show up but there's opportunities thrown all the time to go into into government or, or different and other you know enterprises, and um, you could just get rid of all the stress, you know, <laughs> get rid of all the um, the burdens that you carry and, and take it easy. Yeah. And um, so it's really important that I have that cultural you know purpose where I'm like, no, I'm doing it for my people. You know, this is more than me. You know, this yep. business or this entity that I'm entrusted with is for the benefit of all my people. And I need to keep, you know, pursuing that. So, well, let's go into the last little bit, and that's the future. Um, firstly, future for yourself professionally, and then yep. secondly, um, for your your business. So, I mean, not for profit and Digitech and your business NGM. Yep. So, I guess I look at um, from I guess a, a personal perspective. I'd, I'd love to be able to um, be financially retired in the next kind of five to ten years yeah. so that I can then spend my time uh, working on projects that I'm like purely passionate about and not yeah. having to think about uh, the idea of, um, okay, well, I need to work on this project because it's bringing in cash for the business so that the business is sustainable so that yeah. then it pays me to then put food on the table. Yeah. Um, so so my, my dream is to be able to, um, you know, to be able to actually have that, that financial freedom to then work on all types of projects and, you know, travel around the country yep. to, to meet different communities and promote the ideas of, uh, you know, culture and STEM 
and, and how they come together, but also not just promote those things, but go around and learn from people to constantly yeah. look at how we refine this ecosystem because yeah. it's it's not going to be without its challenges and yeah. uh, and every community is going to uniquely be challenged in its in its own way and it's about really being able to understand that and you know and uh, and you know part of my dream is actually that we have all this data that we own and analyze and control yeah. of our own community and that we use that data to, to look at things that are going well and how we enhance them and yeah. how we look at the data then to also look at the things that are being challenges as well um, and why those things are, are challenges but then how we then overlay this data across the entire country to look at similarities and differences um, yeah. you know of, of each of the different some um, you know different clients across the country yeah um, so I guess that kind of crosses over into a little bit of the the, um, the professional side of things as well, um, uh, you know, and I think for me, um, you know, I'd love to be able to have Indigitech um, be able to reach all parts of this country yeah. um, and to uh, really be driving the conversation um, and supporting other conversations around um, Indigenous STEM yeah. and, uh, and also having an international um, recognition and whether that's a presence, um, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. For me, I guess my main focus is what am I doing here and now yep. uh, to be able to support our community, um, you know, here in Australia yep. before I even kind of think about what what we do um, overseas. I know that we can collaborate, yep. but I'd prefer just to really focus on getting things right here as yep. much as possible before I even kind of say, well, let's venture overseas and look at. Um, you know, different opportunities to support other yeah. Indigenous communities. And that's um, that's yeah. probably the best piece of advice I've received from my mentors and anyone. And that's you know, what are you, what are you mastering? Um, yep. You know, constantly we we are refining what looks like a Bunjil contract or Bunjil project, and there might be other opportunities that come through. But we're just even in our own um, industry, and we're just like, yeah. you know, what that's not a Bunjil project. Um, yep. And I think that's a lot of strength and maturity when you can get to that level and then yeah. start building on that foundation. So awesome. Thanks, brother. Thanks for coming on. Um, no really appreciate it. It went quick. And um, yep. I will talk to you soon. No worries. Thanks, Isaac. Thanks, brother. See you later.